Here we go. We're back in familiar territory trying to figure out what's wrong. And it's causing some beef with the Jaguar fan base. We'll talk about all of that in just a second here on Locked on Jaguars. You are Locked on Jaguars, your daily Jacksonville Jaguars podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, y'all? Welcome to another edition of Locked On Jaguars. I am the host of the Locked On Jaguars, Tony Tony Podcast, Tony Wiggins, where this podcast is all about you. It's your team every day, and we thank you for making us your first listen. A quick reminder, we're free to subscribe to on our YouTube page. Make sure you tap into the YouTube page that is Locked On Jaguars. Hit the like button, the subscribe button, and then hit the bell to make sure you get notifications any and every time we drop an episode. And when you're riding around in your car, listen to audio podcast, wherever you do that at, make sure you tap in every single day so you don't miss an episode as well. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. What's going on to the everydayers? Thank you for joining us here, becoming an everyday. And you can be one if you're not one, just by joining the podcast every day. All right, so what's beef? What's beef? Two people or two different groups have uh, issues with each other and they want to feel like they want to slug it out. That's the way a lot of Jaguar fans are feeling this morning, even with me. And uh, the beef they should be worried about is the offensive line, because I think the offensive line, I said it over and over again. The one thing I doubted about this team was whether or not they were good enough up front in the trenches. So we got to go through that. But I'm going to tell you about today's show first. How good are the six and three Jaguars? We're going to take a hard inventory look at at who we are. We're going to hold ourselves up to the mirror and try to ask ourselves, was that a little bit of an anomaly yesterday or what you saw who you are, despite the widening or the, the wide score, the difference, the 31 points, even if it were 14 points, I would probably feel the same way I feel today. Uh, can they play better? And is that enough? That's a good question. Enough for what? Enough for what we all thought they were going to be able to challenge to do, and that's win a championship and be considered. They were trying to go from one of the final eight teams to at least one of the final four teams. We'll discuss that. And then what's next? You got all kinds of stuff out there this morning that people want to do and want to say and want to get rid of and folks they want to run off and write off. And um, some of that stuff needs to pipe down a little bit. But we'll talk about what we believe is next. But first, they lost 34-3 to the San Francisco 49ers, and they lost in a way that that hit me somewhere in my stomach and my soul in the pit of my stomach because it answered a question that I had given this team the benefit of the doubt for. Uh, I always say I'll never, ever, 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 ever just say that I know what is going to happen with these guys because the spirit of an athlete it's totally different. Like, you don't know what guys have been doing in the offseason, how strong they got or how they lifted weights and what at what point and stage they are in their development. There's a lot of things, a lot of questions that you have to answer when you're outside looking in. And I'm just as close to that building as anybody that is over there a lot. But even that doesn't tell you the whole thing. The only people that know that is the coaches. 
Y'all want to know why the coaches, the only thing they did in free agency, and I know that some people are saying, well, they were kind of hamstrung because of all the draft picks. They had enough to move around and do something, and they could have given away future stuff. But they addressed the offensive line because they knew. The analogy I used last week or two weeks ago was, you know what your kids' weaknesses are. You don't have to broadcast them to everybody else, but you know what they are, right? I didn't hear anybody complaining about the pass rush yesterday because it looked like the guys were getting some pressure, especially I thought Trayvon Walker had one of the best games he's had in his entire career. But here's the hard, the hard truth. The hard truth is I'm not measuring this team by their ability to beat um, Atlanta, Tennessee, the Colts. I measure this team by what our goals were when we came in. We wanted to see if we could, we got to the final eight last year. Was this team good enough to tap into that next level, which is the elite level? That's where you see teams like Kansas City. You see teams like the Niners when they're on their game like they were yesterday. You see teams like, of course, Philadelphia, Baltimore, maybe some others. And Baltimore got their butt beat yesterday. But the Bengals had been there like when it comes down to it and you're in that crunch game and you're in that big time game against this other team, do you have that thing that you need? And what that thing is, has always been for me, just like we talked about last week about being schemed up by the 49ers. And I set it up. I said, it's not about scheme. It's not about the fact that they dialed it up on you. And Kyle knows how to, it's not going to be like being out play called. And I think when, when you say a team was out coached, a lot of people just think that coaching is just play calling for those three hours on that one Monday or Sunday that the team is playing. Coaching is the whole thing to me, the preparation, the buildup, what your program is, who you are, personnel, scouting. It's all of that stuff. If you recall last week, I said, I'm all about execution, not scheme. And sometimes people use scheme as a scapegoat to go around execution. The thing that they're using today is press Taylor. And what that screams to me is folks saying, we can't be this bad. It must have just been the guy who they announced was the play caller this year. And that's the thing that's different from last year. Okay, go back to last year. They're six and three. What was their record after nine games last year? Two and seven. And I'm not taking up for them. But what I'm telling you is what changes your expectations? There's more gloom and doom today that I've seen here for a long time because your expectations changed. After nine games, they were two and seven and they made a run and made the playoffs. This year, they're six and three. But now it feels like the floor just came from underneath them. Somebody asked, when was the last time they got beat like this? Last year against Detroit, they got beat like this, right? But it felt differently. That felt the, that felt like a game you could say, just had a bad week. We got to move on, put this one behind us and go get another one, right? This one doesn't feel like that. It doesn't feel like that because your expectations changed. Your expectations, all of our expectations changed. And what I love to do is just say, show me. We got to see. I think it's different, but let's see if it's different. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt because 
y'all won seven out of eight down the stretch and then won a playoff game when you were way down and then played well on the road. So whatever you're doing seems to be working for you. So what I'll do is I'll sit back and I'll pause a little bit and I'll give you room. I like the fact that they weren't hedging their bets. They said we're a draft and develop team. We're going to we like our group. They did that. And by the way, I posted yesterday that the Jags had two free agency periods or two player acquisitions periods. They had well, they had three. Everybody has the draft. But then the Jaguars had free agency before the draft that they stood pat pretty much and didn't do anything. And then the trade deadline. Everybody wants to focus on the trade deadline aspect of that post, though, instead of focusing on the, the area where you can go out and get players because you have salary cap money. You're not necessarily competing. Um, you are competing a little bit, but you're wooing a free agent as opposed to trying to get a team to trade a player to you. That's where you, it's very, it's easier to acquire a player that way than it is through a trade. It's easier to get a number of players that way than you ain't going to make five trades on the trade deadline, but you might sign five free agents. But when I post that, everybody wants to go past that and then go right to, well, we didn't have any draft picks. That's why, that's what I, that's what I literally call excuse making. So while it's a fact that the Ridley trade tied up like three draft picks, and so they only had their first and like their fourth, right, or a couple of fourths, they, the Ridley trade tied up the second and third, the bottom line is still folks decide to hear what they want to hear and want to focus on that part of, of the text or the post, which represents about maybe 15 to 20% of their ability to acquire players and forget about the other 80%. And the overall thing that they had in their mind was that they had built it. And the one area I was concerned about was the offensive line, but I'm always hesitant to talk too much about it because I've also admitted that I can't look at offensive linemen and tell whether or not a guy can play or not definitively. I think I do a pretty good job of telling who can play. But there are some guys that I don't think can play to end up being real good players. So I acquiesce and I kind of fall back and don't overplay my stroke when it comes to that. How good are they right now? Good enough to win 11, 12 games. But are we really in it to just win those games? Or are we trying to win a championship with a generational quarterback and a Super Bowl winning coach? I thought that's what we were on. So if that's what we're on, there ain't no way in hell they're going to win a championship with that bad line. And I got something to say. I'm going to answer this question in segment two of whether or not they'll play better. And is that enough? Yeah, they'll play a little better than they play. They ain't going to play that bad. All the, that's probably the worst game they're going to play all year. But even if they improve, is it enough? I don't think it's going to be enough to win a championship. I'll tell you that right now. And I'll tell you in segment two something that I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I said doing this podcast, what I was going to do is answer as many questions as I can. Because I got tired of the DMs and I got tired of answering individual. Like I love interacting with y'all, but I'm going to answer as many of these questions. So I encourage you all to listen to this podcast today because this is what I got to do, man. We got to go through this and we got to deal with it. But we can't be talking about Press Taylor. I ain't saying that he doesn't have anything to do with it. But I'm just saying there's just this propensity to just believe the easiest thing in order to avoid admitting the hard thing. I'll tell you what those things are in just a second here on Locked on Jaguars. But first, I have to let you know about the Game Time app, man. The Game Time app is the real deal, especially for the group that I call the procrastinators, people that want to get tickets, but guess what they do? They wait all day 
to be able to go and get them and say, ah, I figured out. It's just perfect for those people that think that they can wait to the last second in order to get their tickets. Well, all you got to do is download the Game Time app in uh, your app store or go to gametime.co. And what you need to do, man, is basically let them do all of your tickets, all of your last minute stuff to get your tickets down. It'll be very, very easy. They handle all of that. All You can see where you're going to sit. All of those things on the Game Time app. So make sure you use the code Locked On NFL for twenty dollars off when you download the Game Time app. Once again, use the code Locked On NFL for twenty dollars off when you download the Game Time app and start getting your tickets for events. It's the Game Time app. That's where I get my tickets. That's where you need to get yours too. All right, segment two here. Locked on Jaguars, your team every day. We thank you for always making us your first listen here on Locked on Jaguars. It's what we do, man. We come in here and we talk up the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's hard to talk them up today because they got beat. They got beat pretty soundly. And the thing that a lot of folks want to do is scapegoat this thing. So we ain't going to scapegoat at all. We're going to get right down to it. If you follow the show, I've been worried about that offensive line for a long time. I even gave him the benefit of the doubt of Luke Fortner because he was a technician who they drafted. I figured he had to, I'm always easier on the younger players than I am on veterans. That's why I'm a little bit concerned about Brandon Sheriff at right guard. I'm a tad concerned about Walker Lou. Yeah, the Swiss Army knife that all y'all told me could do everything great. Play left tackle, play right tackle. He was all right at left tackle. He was more than adequate, right? And folks are asking me, well, why did they move him? Well, because Cam Robinson is adequate at left tackle, right? And physical and all of that. Who's better? I would actually have to, they wouldn't tell you, but I wonder what the coaching staff thinks about who's actually better playing left tackle. Fans probably going to say Walker Little. But the difference is Walker Little was supposed to be able to also play guard. I warned everybody about thinking that he could play guard. When last year, when Ben Barks got hurt and they put Tyler Shatley in, they didn't put they didn't put Walker Little in there. The only time Walker Little got a chance to play is when Cam Robinson went down. So I warn people, don't just assume that he can be your left guard. Cam can't be your left guard. So if you want to leave Walker Little at tackle and then put Ezra Cleveland at left guard, just know you got a $16 million player standing on the sideline. A guy who's probably one of your five best linemen, but the difference is he only plays one position. Can the Jaguars play better on the offensive line? Yes, there's some things that they can clean up. But the problem is they won't be playing San Francisco. Or they won't be playing somebody like that until they run back into Kansas City. Or Cincinnati. Or Cleveland. Or Baltimore. Three of those four teams, they play them down the stretch. At some point, they got to be able to beat one of those good teams that's not named Buffalo. Buffalo, when they played the Jaguars, didn't, they weren't at full strength in their front seven, and then they were, and then Matt Milano got hurt. So the thing is, is if the Jaguars play a team that is super, super superior on the defensive line, they're going to struggle. And then if those guys on the defensive line are superior players, and then they actually have the linebackers who can flow to the ball 
and chase tight ends and help out in the passing game and go sideline to sideline. Also to stop guys like Travis Etienne from being able to destroy you, but they can help tackle those wide receivers. And they're going to be able to help tackle the wide receivers because the Jaguars don't send their wide receivers very deep. There's a graphic out this morning talking about how the Jags, I think Ben Solak may have done it, that the Jags are the lowest at guys, at the receivers, and how far down the field their routes go. The only time you do that is when you either don't have a deep threat or you know your quarterback ain't going to have time to throw it to him. Everybody says, why don't they send more of these guys deep? Yeah, because that requires a five or seven step drop. And uh, you think your quarterback is going to get decapitated before he even gets a chance to throw the ball, which is why teams aren't afraid of the Jaguars going deep. And I know everybody wants to bring up Zay Jones. Look, Zay Jones is a good player. But I remember y'all were happy about Calvin Ridley. Everybody wanted them to have a number one wide receiver. Is he not a number one now all of a sudden? Doesn't seem like he's playing that way. Is he more suitable to be uh, what what the Addison kid up in Minnesota is doing? By the way, he's the number one right now, and they won five straight games because Jettas isn't playing Justin Jefferson. We got to make up our mind. Everybody wants to say it's all on Press Taylor not doing this and Press Taylor not doing that. How do y'all know what Press Taylor does or what Press Taylor doesn't? And and, and Doug Peterson standing right there with a the headset. The only two people that know what's going on is Doug and, and, and Press. Who's in the game plan meetings? I'm not there. Are y'all there? How do we know that Press Taylor isn't running exactly what Doug wants him to run and what they're talking about in between plays and what their process is? We don't. The only difference is, and Doug said that last year down the stretch run, Press was the one making all of those calls in the second half. He said he made a lot of those calls. Doug a liar now? Because if maybe he's telling the truth, you know, y'all don't want to believe him, so you believe what you want to believe whenever it fits your narrative. But the thing is, is this. I think the biggest mistake, and I've said this all year, the second it was announced that he was going to be the play caller, the, the primary play caller all year, I rolled my eyes and said, that's a problem. That's going to be trouble. Because every single thing that could possibly go wrong with this team is now going to be blamed on the fact that Doug Peterson didn't call him plays and Press Taylor was. There's been a rumor of the week when the Jags got hot in the second half of the game that Doug Peterson took over play calling duties. That's because people want to believe that. And then it came out that people said he did not take over play calling duties. It shouldn't even be discussed. It's much ado about nothing. Because even if the players don't like press calling the plays or even if press calls a play that Doug would have called, but since he's the one that called it, if the players aren't responding to it because they don't think it comes from Doug, and that could be a very real thing. That's still a Doug problem. I love Doug Peterson as much as anybody. who's given me all the credit in the world. Thank you for everything that you've done after Urban Meyer. But the bottom line is no one is above being criticized. Ultimately, everything that goes on here is a Doug Peterson problem. And if they line up on the field and teams are better than them, that's a Trent Baalke problem. I got a feeling you could have put dress shoes, you could have put Stacey Adams on their front seven yesterday and they would have still harassed Trevor Lawrence to death. That's not a Press Taylor problem. You can't block. Why don't you call more plays down the field? Because by that time, Trevor Lawrence would have gotten knocked to Palm Coast. That's why. Come on, y'all. 
Let's stop looking at it and, and, and thinking that it's something. Stop comparing this team to, you know, teams that can be. They're supposed to beat teams that they're supposed to beat. Yesterday was a test. We talked about it. The Kansas City thing early in the year was supposed to be a test. But we'll let that go a little bit. You know why we'll let that go a little bit? We'll let that go a little bit because it was early in the season. It ain't early no more. You don't get a, get a chance to get away with that. What's next? Well, they got to win this week. But then I'll tell you from a big perspective what's next, and I'll do it in just a second here on Locked on Jaguars. But first, I have to let you know about today's sponsor, which is FanDuel. Man, you got to score right now this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150. And I want you all to hear, you get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. 150 bucks if your team wins. That's right. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOnNFL and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel is an official partner of the NFL. Now listen, it's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season and get $100, $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. All right, man. Third and final segment here on Locked On Jaguars. I have to also let you know about Locked On NFL kickoff. Every Friday, every single Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern on every Locked On NFL YouTube channel, Tanitra Baptiste, Jarvis Davis, and Kyle Krabs will break down every game on the NFL slate to get you ready for your team's matchup, your fantasy lineups, your betting angles, and more. Plus, get the in-depth local analysis from our stable of NFL hosts across the country who know these teams better than anyone else. Find Locked On NFL Kickoff live every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time on any Locked On NFL YouTube channel. That includes Locked On Jaguars and Locked On NFL, the two that I am grateful to be a part of. All right. What's next? Adjusted expectations. Uh, I wouldn't do that just yet because anything could happen. I just don't know how an offensive line. I think they can execute better. They can work better as a tandem. The Jaguars can do a better of identifying play calls that need to be played. We've seen teams get dominated by teams before and then come back and beat those teams. What bothers me, though, I mean, and it bothers me like an ingrown toenail. And if y'all ever had an ingrown toenail, that's like the worst, right? And, and, and you can't find a pedicure shop open anywhere to help you get it. What bothers me is they lost in a way that is not conducive to, to them ever beating that team or teams like that. They did. They drove the ball. They drove the ball. And then folks on third and one or fourth and one, I tell you what, on third and one, people say, why are you passing? Because I think they say we got two downs to make this. If we try on first down to run it, we don't. They know we got to pass. So we're going to try to pass on third down. But what we're not going to expect is our quarterback to throw a ball uh, 106 miles per hour to a guy named Tank and have it bounce right off of him like you just threw a ball at a tank and have it be picked off. 
They got to just be, quit being so loosey-goosey and laissez-faire with the football when they're in scoring range, especially when their kicker can kick it from a mile away. Now, I know you're not going to win the game with field goals, but it's better than coming away with nothing. They stood around for the second time this year and didn't continue playing. They stood around with their thumb up there, you know what, and sitting there sulking at the fact that the play didn't go the way that they wanted to, and a dude got up and ran for a touchdown that ultimately didn't count and it didn't count because they had guys on the field celebrating. They have to mentally lock in and get themselves ready to play. I don't know what the excuse is going to be because I know when they were losing early in the year, they were one and two. Christian Kirk said, we need to get out of Jacksonville for, okay. I don't know what Jacksonville did to you. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know what three games in, why you got to leave your brand new practice facility, uh, can't be rats or anything, nothing like that. I don't know why you had to leave, but we let it fly because they went to Germany and we went to England and won two games in London. Earlier this year, Doug Peterson said, uh, we might have read our own press clippings too much. And Okay. Yesterday after the game, he said, we haven't accomplished anything yet. And basically that tells me that he was basically saying, we walk around like we're all good, but really we're not. Uh, we we actually have to to go out here and do things. That's that's what I juxtaposed out of his statement. But my point is is this: when you make too many different statements like that, like after three games, you guys need to get out of town for a minute, or we've been reading our press clippings, or well, we haven't arrived yet. We're not as good as. At some point, you're just not as good. At some point, that's when you turn to the general manager and go, and people want to blame Phil Rauscher, the great Phil Rauscher. Keep hearing all this about Phil Rauscher. And maybe he's not as good as I even told one dude, you can't make orange juice out of onions. And he goes, well, that's what he's paid to do. Who says that? That means that your mindset is totally stopped. You, you don't want to pass the buck to anybody. I don't know what game y'all were watching. I saw a team get punched in the face repeatedly and have no answer for it. And sometimes you just watch a match and you realize you just can't beat them because you know what? They're just better. For whatever reason, whether you want to talk about drafting, whether you want to talk about finding guys that fit, whether you want to just mention just mano a mano, they were better than our club. And our defensive line played well. The defense did I early in the game because they just held on as long as they could. Evan Ingram is a pro bowler from last year. I think he's top five in yards or whatever for a tight end. But if you don't see the difference between him and George Kittle, the fact that Kittle is a seam destroyer and Evan Ingram is running sideways towards the hash marks on the sideline and running screens. With George Kittle is down there in the seam, making your linebackers and your safety stay home so guys like Brandon Ayuk could get loose on the outside deep. George Kittle is also an inline blocker in the run game. Evan Ingram doesn't do that. So sometimes it's like, is Evan Ingram a good player? Yeah. But what is his effect on the game and your mindset? What does it change with his physicality? You know why George Kittle can get wide open? Because he spends half his time blocking. So he'll act like he's blocking and then bang, he goes down the field. And the, the team doesn't know what to do. And guess what? He has time to get down there because he's being protected. If you don't think the I've said it over and over, the offensive line will make a good team look bad. And eventually it spills over to defense because they get tired of you coming off the field, turning the ball over and not being able to uh, get first downs and points. 
You can't beat what you can't block. I think it's talent. It's talent on the offensive line. They're all NFL players. All of those guys should probably be the fourth or fifth best player on a line that's winning games. And I'm going to address this one last time. Well, what about the Rams and the Bengals? Neither one of them had a great offensive line. You're right. They didn't. And they played in the Super Bowl against each other. So somebody had to win and somebody had to lose. Both teams had bad offensive lines. That's not what they – they weren't built like that. They were built with their wide receivers and a quarterback. But they also had guys that could get sacks. And you saw at the end of the game, the Bengals lost the game because their line couldn't hold out Aaron Donald. That's what it comes down to. It comes down to being able to win a battle. And all they had to do was hold Aaron Donald for one more second. And Jamar Chase probably catches the game-winning touchdown. That's what I'm saying. They don't – they didn't win it. The Jaguars aren't even close to that. And the Jaguars right now don't have the quarterback play that Cincinnati had that year, even though Trevor's okay. But Trevor ain't been Joe Burrow good that year that Joe Burrow took those guys to the Super Bowl. They don't have a receiver like Jamar Chase. They don't even have a receiver like T. Higgins. T. Higgins 6'4". Can catch everything. The Jaguars have a bunch of slot receivers. They don't have a true number one X. And there was actually people around here that saying, no, you don't get rid of Jamal Agnew if you can get DeAndre Hopkins. Like what? And even D-Hop wouldn't have helped him yesterday because he doesn't play offensive line. They're just not good enough up front. You look at Kansas City. You remember Kansas City had those injuries on their offensive line and Tampa Bay held them to nine points in the Super Bowl, beat them 38 to nine. Kansas City retooled that thing, loaded up, and came back the next year and whooped everybody and scored 38 points in the Super Bowl with their revamped line. And this ain't going to be a Juwan Taylor moment for me because my only thing about that was I wanted them to add to Juwan Taylor. They could have drafted the Harrison kid as the future left tackle or the future right tackle and then used the second round pick and moved up and took Osiris Torrance and really built and fortified that front. But they didn't. Everybody's around here talking about edge rush and all of that stuff. I have been banging the table for that offensive line forever. And now even people that used to disagree with me about that admit, but they say it's the interior. And I'll agree the interior is worse than the outside, but it's just not good enough. That falls on Trent Baalke. This The Jaguars have a team full of guys that they are committed to that they believed were good enough. They're not. We just got to admit it. Good enough to possibly challenge for the division. I think they win the division. They still got to beat Houston. And I can say that TJ Stroud is a good player. And, and without being insecure, because I like Trevor. So good for Trevor that he has to deal with CJ Stroud for the next decade. Good competition. It is what it is. You know, pressure bust pipes. Good, good. I'm glad. I'm glad CJ Stroud done stood up and, and hasn't made the walk easy. Because if Trevor's what he is, he's gonna win his share. And that's what I'm talking about about having a better offensive line. Can you win your share? Right now, the Jaguars can't win their share. We'll have to see how it progresses. We'll be here all week with you here on Locked On Jaguars. Make sure you tap in every single day and make us your first listen because it's your team every day. As always, we appreciate you here on the Locked On Jaguars podcast. Until next time, we'll see you.